Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Autism. I'm Nancy Allspot Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm so happy to be here with my friend. How you doing? Uh, it's Friday. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's Friday and it's almost Friday the 13th, but it's not. So that's a good thing. Yes. Uh, thrilled to be here with you. It's, it, I, do you feel the pressure of the holidays upon you? Yes, yes, I do. I definitely feel the pressure of the holidays. Yeah, I do too. And I read a really interesting thing yesterday um, that some of which we're going to talk about in the news, but about how it, how this holiday is a little bit weird because it's not quite the extreme of last year, um, but it's still, it's still wonky because there's different rules in different places and different people are comfortable with different things. Some people are getting together in droves and other people aren't comfortable with that. And so the, the article was saying that it's very taxing on all of us and that we all need to be gentle with ourselves and gentle with the people in our lives. So I, I'm going to start with that at home and say that I'm going to be gentle with myself this holiday season. How about you, Nancy? I think that's a good idea. Yeah, there are different rules for different people. And while some people seem to be gathering again, others aren't. And um you know, my brother came over yesterday and he insisted on sitting in the yard with a mask on. That's where yeah. he's at. So yeah. people Well, that would be me. I yeah. mean, that would totally be me. And um, but everybody isn't in that space. And I totally I'm trying to be really respectful of the fact that other people aren't in that space. Um, and it's hard sometimes because I feel like sometimes I don't get that back. That people are like, Well, why are you being so paranoid? And I'm like, cause I am. Um, cause, cause I am, and we worked so hard to, uh, isolate and, uh, so I'm being as, and then every once in a while, you know, I'll break out this Sunday, we're going to an outdoor concert with a group of friends and, you know, I'm already stressing about it, but I really want to go. It is the monkeys. Uh, what's what? left? Of, it's the monkeys. What's left of the monkeys? Oh, wow. That's so great. I used to be crazy. I had a monkeys fan club when I was little. Really? I see. This is something I didn't know about you. And I love the monkeys. Yes. And, I, you know, I never, ever got to see the monkeys live perform. But years ago, I think Jim was in first grade. We got tickets to go see the monkeys. Um, Jim won them in some contest. And we got the tickets and I was so excited because it was all four of the original monkeys. And um, they, the school told us, that that was the night that they had scheduled the uh, the back to school social for Jem's first grade class, and and I said I looked at Jim and I was like, well, give somebody the tickets, and he was like, you're not. This is like this might be your only chance to see, and in fact, it was my only chance to see all four of them live. And I was like, I we can't not go to that. Like, there's just no way, you know. And I always think about that. And I think I don't I don't regret that. I you know picked my kid. And him having a success, successful school year, but that was it. That was my right. chance to see all right. four monkeys. So we're settling for two. I've gotten to meet Mickey, and Mickey was my monkey. Which monkey was yours? Davy. Davy Jones. Well, like most yeah. girls, I think, they were into Davy. My sister was into Davy, too. But see, always, I'm always quirky. I will pick the funniest one no matter what. And that mass of curls, you know, uh, Mickey was it for me. Uh, but especially because he was funny. But Davey, I, I certainly get it. I certainly understand the thing about Davey. But what's hilarious about Davey is that Davey was like literally this tall. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I used to say to my sister, I was like, you could fit him in one of your pant legs. Right. And, and he is your girlhood crush. You could fit him. You know, I mean, he just was a very diminutive person. Yes. Um, which looks good on camera. Let's be honest yeah. about that. But is um, Mickey going to be there at the concert? Mickey will be there and Mike Nesbeth is performing. Oh, wow. There's a whole controversy around that, but we're not going to get into that. Oh, okay. It involves the autism community. So we're going to. What? Why can't it, we get into it? Well, I mean, because I don't know, I don't, I don't know all the why, whys and wherefores, but you know, one of our guests who's been here on a show, a young woman that we love and revere, Amy Gravino, who is uh, a person on the spectrum and she is a um, uh, a sex uh, therapist uh, expert specifically for folks on the autism spectrum. She's okay. on the spectrum herself uh -huh. and writes beautiful. We, we've covered things that she's done here before on the show. We've had her on the show. 
Um, but there is a bit of a controversy because she was, she and a group of other people were very good friends with Mike Nesmith. Right. And, and there is some controversy about, is there elder abuse happening with Mike Nesmith? I have no, I don't know. I, I, this is why I say, I don't, I don't want to get into that. I have no idea. Um, but there's been a lot of back and forth and accusations and monkeys fans, uh, like citing her and for, for her asking the question and, you know, it's been very contentious and very much in the public eye. If you're interested in that, you can go look at what Amy has to say about that. But we here at uh, Autism Live make absolutely no, we don't know. We have no idea what the truth of the matter is, but we wish nothing but the best on all sides. Right. Um, so there we go. Okay. Anyway, how do we get off on the monkeys? I don't know. Did, did you what? know that Pete, um, why can't I think what his last name Torch. is? Torkin. 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 Like, it's so scary to me that my brain can't think. But he uh, he came out later on in life as as having Asperger's. Oh, I did not know that. Peter Tork. That's what his name was. Peter Tork. Tork. Okay. Yes. In fact, in when we started the show, uh, he had come out um, about his diagnosis of Asperger's. And we invited him to be on the show and he chose not to be on the show. But um, but yes, you know, said this, this, uh, got a late in life diagnosis and said, this explains some of the difficulties that I've had. Um, interesting to go back and watch some of the old monkey shows knowing that. Um, and I think, um, I just loved him. I, I loved him and I loved some of the things that he wrote. They were very offbeat, uh-huh. uh, with a very, and he had a very interesting sense of humor um, but said that he struggled socially and he's sort of in the monkey series, the, the monkey that is like not socially doing the same thing as the other ones, not right or wrong, but just doing something different socially. So very interesting, uh, how everything comes back to autism always, right? <laughs> yeah. Even the monkeys. Okay. So, uh, we want to say that we're live right now. It is the 12th of November. We were not live yesterday. So a belated happy veterans day to everyone who yes. has served and has family members that have served. Um, we weren't able to be here yesterday, but, uh, we're here today. We're live and we've got a great guest. I believe that Vince Redmond is joining us in just a few minutes, but we've got some news stories to cover before that. Just want to remind you that you can interact live right now. The chat is open. So if you are watching us, I say good morning to Tigest. Uh, we are live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook. We're live on Twitter. We are also live on a bunch of other places. Uh, Twitch, you can be watching us right now on Twitch, which is crazy fun. And we are a podcast, a free download wherever you get your podcasts. We are the number one rated autism podcast worldwide. Thanks to you, because those of you who are watching now and will watch us later in podcast have liked us, shared us, uh, reviewed us. We encourage you to do all of that and find us where you can. Keep in mind that in uh, on a lot of the podcast servers, you have the choice of downloading us audio only or picture and audio so that if you want to take us in the car, you certainly can take us on walks. I have a couple of uh, autism parents who have written in and said that we're, we're their jam while they're walking, Nancy. That's a great thing to do, huh? Isn't it? Makes it? walk go faster. Well, yes, passes, passes the time. You don't know, because uh, boredom for me, I don't mind moving. I don't mind exercising. I just get bored. Uh-huh. So, so if there's no music or nobody talking to me, I, I'm like, why are we doing this? Why? Like, let's go do something that's less boring. Um, so yes, take take us or your favorite podcast and go for a walk. All right, Nancy, we've got some news this morning. Not all of it good. Uh, shall we start with uh, the headline pretty much everywhere this morning? We've been looking at uh, the microbiome. And there's been a reason why we've been looking at the microbiome for a while. People have suspected for a while that the microbiome has something to do with autism. Yes, that there's a there's a link between gut health and autism has long been the um, perspective that many have held. Yes, but here's the thing: I want everybody to remember context is important, and um, you know. 
one of the things that we first learned uh, because the Center for Autism and Related Disorders was involved in it was they had take they were partnered with a wonderful organization college um, in the Royal College of London, I think is what it is. And they were doing studies on poop, a poop and urine. And they were looking to see, does the poop of a child on the autism spectrum look different than a poop of a child who is not on the autism spectrum. And Nancy, as a parent of a child on a young adult now on the spectrum, what would you guess? Do you think the poop looked different or the same? Well, from my experience, I would say different. Absolutely. And, and not only look different, potentially smell different, but under a microscope have different microorganisms. Uh, microbes. microorganisms in it, right? And they found that absolutely it was different. Now, again, we always talk about the duh heard around the world, right? We all went, yeah, duh, right? Um, But then it becomes a thing of why and what does it mean and what does it represent? Now, a lot of people, by the way, they were able to do it blindly to take poop and they labeled it and then didn't and, and put it under microscopes and didn't let the researchers know this kid's on the spectrum, this kid's not, but then they were able to graph it and go, oh, look, these kids over here that are in this cluster all are on the autism spectrum. And these kids over here in this cluster, not on the spectrum. So it was very clear that it was different. The poop was different. So then we got to look at which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Is something to do with autism causing the microbes in the gut to be different or vice versa? Um, So the first article that we're going to look at, the, the title of the article is Research into Gut Microbiome Autism Link Reveals New Perspective in Collaborative Autism CRC Study. And this article comes to us from Markets Insider. Don't you find that interesting, Nancy? From um, Markets Insider. So this is a business oh, right. Um, right. that's talking about the fact that there's a new perspective um, for autism. Um, but we also included another article in the news this morning that is from a different source. And the title of the source is gut bacteria don't cause autism. Autistic kids, microbiome differences are due to picky eating. And that's from a publication called the conversation. And there's everything under the sun in between. But even from the titles, you begin to see a little bit of what they found. We really encourage you to do your research and find and read because there's a lot of fine print in this. And I, 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 I think we're supposed to feel discouraged, Nancy. Yes. Um, that that the that we're supposed to be like, oh darn! The autism community said that they thought the microbiome had something to do with the cause of autism, and we're seeing that the, the end result is that they're saying that it appears that a limited diet is more responsible for the difference in the microbiome than the other way around. Right. Um, That it appears that a symptom of autism, which is that you might be a picky eater and not be eating certain things, could be what's causing the microbiome. I don't want anybody to get too discouraged about the result of this study. This is just more information. And the whole reason for doing research is to get more information. I don't, and they're looking at this through a very narrow lens. What I want to know now, and if they can get the funding to do it, I want them to go back now and study and go, okay, for the kids who have the picky diet, if we beef that diet up through behavioral intervention and get them to eat more things, and if we give them supplements, then what happens to the microbiome in their gut, right? And what happens to their symptoms of the, the more challenging symptoms of being on the autism spectrum? Like, wouldn't that be interesting, Nancy? That would be very interesting. I'd like to see that study. Yeah. So I just want to say to everybody, as you're looking at this, because you know that by tomorrow at noon, there are going to be people who are going to say, well, the science is in and what you eat has nothing to do with autism. And what your gut does has nothing to do with autism. And that is not what this study says. No, and I was curious, what is microba? In the first article, it said they analyzed stool samples using microba's metagenomic analysis. I believe that that's the name of the company. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Um, That they are a company that has a particular expertise 
Um, Studying gut biome. Yes. So um, what I love, though, Nancy, is that there are so many different places that are looking at this in different ways. And CARD is part of research that is looking at this in a different way. CARD, the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. Um, and they've been looking specifically at the, and part of it is that it changed once they saw that um, there was a cluster, that it was clear, that changed how they were doing the study. But they're seeing that there is, in, and I don't know whether it's a plus or a minus, but the, clust- the clostridia, I hope I'm saying that right, is different. And in the clostridia is a, is a gut biome, is a micro. I, I, that I couldn't tell you, Nancy. I wish I knew the answer to that. Um, we'll get somebody on back to talk about it. But I will say that in the next, right now, we, we mentioned that there's a study going on uh, called the Gemma study. And this is part of what they're looking at here. So um, I, 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 we're going to be having them back on to talk about it. We can ask more questions. But I think to rule out that the gut and autism, that there is an interplay would be a ginormous mistake. And I don't think having read it, that that's what this suggests. Do you? No, I don't. I don't. So there we go. So don't anybody, you know, don't buy into this all or nothing kind of thing. It's sort of like the studies that were done around gluten-free, casein-free diets, not making a difference. Yeah. Remember, remember when that all came out and there was a lot of controversy, um, about whether GFCF diets, there was a study that came out saying it didn't make a bit of difference. Yeah. Yeah. And then as you looked further into it, you saw that, um, they, you know, I don't, I don't know how many kids, let's say they had taken 12 kids and of the 12 kids, um, two of them, it, they saw no change whatsoever. And, and I'm, I'm making up statistics here, but this is the, the idea of it, that two of them saw no difference whatsoever and two made tremendous progress and everybody else was somewhere in between. And they said that the two wasn't significant. So therefore it doesn't. And I was like, but, 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 but may, are you taking into consideration that there are different types of autism and there are different human beings? And for the two that it made a difference, why are you, you know, because then a parent reads and goes, oh, it makes no difference, but it might for their kids. So it's a very, it's part of the reason why we cover research on here, because context is everything. Knowing what they studied and how they studied it, that's the interesting thing. Uh, Okay, so then now we've got two stories that um, I guess on the surface wouldn't necessarily be considered related, but for me, they were very related. Um, The first one being um, that there's a advice, and I don't have it up right here, but there's an advice column where somebody wrote in, which you have it in front of you, Nancy? Yes, it's the Boston Globe, uh, an advice column where somebody wrote in about. Well, now it's not letting me call it up; it's making me sign into it. Um, well, the gist of it is, somebody wrote in and yeah. said, "You know, we were invited for the holidays um, to go to my daughter's house, and um, at, my husband, my new husband, and I." And we said, yes, we were going to go for the holidays and she's, and the daughter is having her in-laws and the daughter has small kids. So everybody's all happy. They're going to spend the holidays together. And then mom called the daughter and said, oh, by the way, we're going to bring our, our, my adult stepson who is on the spectrum. And you want to tell them what the daughter said? The daughter then disinvited the uh, adult stepson saying that her children could not handle uh, having to limit their, I guess their their level of noise and their interactions that she could not accommodate the adult stepson. Yeah. And the mom is furious and hurt and upset and wrote into this advice column. And I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with this advice column, but it's a very Dear Abby sort of uh, yes. feel to it. Um, what did you think about the response from the, the, the person, the advice from the columnist? I was actually surprised that the columnist, I don't know that she sided with the daughter, but she certainly said that the daughter had a right to put up her own boundaries and that, um, the, the person in question here, the mom would have to adjust to the boundaries that have been set. So I was kind of surprised about that. And when you say surprise, were you disappointed? 
yeah, I was disappointed. Yeah. I, I was too. How about you? Yeah. I, I, I had hoped that she was going to say, you know, here's how I'd like for you to talk to your daughter about this for her to see your perspective um, and why we should all be making an effort to include people. But instead, um, she wrote a little bit what I was talking about before at the start of the show about how we all have to like respect that people's boundaries are in different places right now and that it's a really hard holiday and that we need to take the daughter's perspective that she's dealing with in-laws and trying to look good and da 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 I heard her in the, in the column asking the mom to take the perspective of absolutely everyone else except for the stepson who's being excluded. That's the thing that bummed me out. Even if she had said, she said to the mom, she said, deal with, please feel your grief. You're entitled to your grief over this. You know, you're entitled to feel bad over it. You got disinvited and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But she went down the line and talked about how everybody would feel, how the in-laws would feel, how the, the kids would feel. I didn't hear her. Maybe I'm remiss. And correct me if I'm wrong, Nancy, but the only thing I didn't hear was what's it like for this young man, the adult, who's not welcome? Right. She did not include his perspective. And um, I think that would have been a good um, angle to take and to consider the adult son. And then I wasn't sure from the article whether the, the mom now was not going or whether they were just going to make accommodations for the son to do something else. It sounded like to me, and from the columnist's advice, she was saying, you should do your own holiday, go do your own thing and wow. enjoy your own holiday. But I, but it sounded like that that was what was going to happen now. And she, and I, I, I took from it that the mom was so hurt that she's not even able to talk to her daughter mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And um, she and also the column- said that they made allowances for the son. They got headphones for him. So he was able to tolerate the noise. And it sounded like they made accommodations for the son to be there. Yeah. Yeah. But there was no accommodation on the other side. And, and look, I think we can all be adults here and we can all say that we get it on a certain level. Um, But when is that going to change? And And why isn't it changing faster, I guess, is what I want to know. Yeah, I think everybody should be able to have their boundaries. I totally, totally do. But when we all admit that there is a place where boundaries have to stop because you become exclusive. Uh, I mean, you know, listen, not to take it too far politically, but there there was a time and a place when people said, oh, you can't come to our country club because your religion is different than mine and that makes me feel uncomfortable. And we all decided as a society that that was being a bigot. You know, what? how is that, in, like what this, we're saying it's okay for this daughter to have the boundary and say, I don't want to be around somebody who's around this uh, on the spectrum because they have sensory issues. To me, it doesn't feel good. No, it does not. Um, and I, and I don't quite know what to do with that. But then I no sooner read that um, article, Nancy, and then I went on to our next article, which caught my eye because um, it's talking about how the, the Stanford YMCA has reached an agreement with the government to resolve allegations that the facilities, child care programs and other services were not accessible to a child with autism. Right. Um, and that they were found to be, um, you know, violating the Americans with Disabilities Act by not making accommodations for a child on the spectrum. Now, if you watch the show at all, you know, we all have a psychic wound. Good morning, Christina. We all have a psychic wound as a parent, like whether, and it might, might be a bunch of them, but a time when our kids were excluded and that we were told either implicitly or explicitly that our child was not welcome because they were on the autism spectrum. Mine was at the local YMCA. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, I've told the story here before because it's still, I was just saying to somebody the other day, they were talking about how their feelings got hurt because they felt like their kid was sidelined. And they were like, do you understand that? And I said, oh, say the words, you know, say the letters YMCA and I'm right back to that day. What happened, Shannon? So we we had just joined. We had really good friends who were at our local YMCA, and I was not getting a break at all. And 
my child was not yet diagnosed. And the friends had said, you need to join the YMCA. It's so fabulous because we check our kids into the childcare and we go and we work out and it's a break. And if you, you know, if you want to just sit and type a little bit on your computer, that counts. And your child is in the childcare They're, you know, it's all part of the same price and you get these classes and it's, and that your child can take swim classes. It's such a great deal. And we didn't have a lot of money, but we were like, let's do it. We like, if we, if it benefits all of us, let's do that. So we joined on January 1st of 2006, the, the YMCA, we paid our membership, did all that. And on the 16th of January, so two weeks later, uh, our son was diagnosed as being on the spectrum. And I went into the YMCA and said, and asked to talk to the director. And I said, Hey, just want to make you aware of the fact that our child was diagnosed with autism. And I'm wondering what kinds of programs and things. And she was like, Oh, we don't have a program. And I said, Oh, and, uh, and she was like, but you know, it's fine, whatever, just, you know, so we, I started coming to the gym and I checked Jim, Jim into the childcare and the, you know, they had pretzels and stuff that they were feeding the kids and you could attach a tag. And my, the tag on his, cause we'd already started gluten-free by that point. We started before the diagnosis and, um, cause we were, you know, pretty sure we were going to get the diagnosis. Anyway, he had a tag that I would safety pin to him that said, do not feed allergies. Don't feed anything. And so, um, we did this for like a week and then I went into work and I'm just getting on the first machine and they come and they're like, Oh, you have to come right now. He's hysterical and we don't know what to do. And I came running into the thing and there is my child. And he is like two and a half, two and a half. And he's, and he's crying and he's snotting and, and he won't let anybody near him. And I was like, what happened? And they're like, we don't know. He, it just, it was weird. He just went off and he threw a toy at another child and we can't have that. And I picked him up and they said, you have to leave right now. So I took him home and I was hysterical. I was like, what, what set this off? I have no idea. We got through the weekend. Uh, he calmed down. We didn't know. And I said to my husband, I said, geez, we hadn't seen this behavior since we started the gluten-free casing free. I'm wondering if it's, if it wasn't really the thing that made things better because now he's doing it even without the stuff. So fine. I go back on the Monday, I check him back into the daycare. I attach the little tag again. I send him back into the daycare and I'm, I get on the first machine and they come and they're like, no, you have to get him and take him home. He's completely out of control. And, um, and, and then they said, and he's no longer welcome here a two and a half year old. And, and I picked him up and carried him and he was tantruming and freaking out. And I was like, I don't even know why this is happening. They wouldn't tell me they were like, nothing happened before nothing. And I couldn't even get him in the car. I couldn't get him in the car seat. He was inconsolable. And around the side of the building comes this young man and he comes up to me and he worked in the, in the daycare. And he said, are you okay? Do you need help? And I said, I don't know if I'm okay. And I don't know how you could help me. And he said, can I just ask you a question? So yeah. And he said, um, you know, it says not to feed him anything because of allergies is the way he's behaving right now. Could it possibly be from eating pretzels? And I looked up at him and I was like, what are you talking about? He said, the director of the daycare the other day fed him a bunch of pretzels. And then he acted like this. And then this morning he came in and the first thing she did was fed him a bunch of pretzels. And, you know, I, I went to the director of the YMCA and said, this is terrible. And she said, well, you don't have any proof of that. And, and I didn't want to throw the kid under the bus. Right. Um, and I asked them to reconsider and to allow him back in this, in the center. They told me no, that they were not equipped, nor were they going to become equipped to deal with a child on the spectrum. And I said, what would you have done if it was a wheelchair? She said, it's not a wheelchair. But she also said, we have classes that we don't allow kids in wheelchairs, the YMCA. And then, uh, and I said, if my child's not welcome here, then I'm not welcome here. So refund my, nope. And, and that's when I said to her, I will have every news crew here. I will sue you. I will do all this stuff. And so they refunded our membership and that was it. So they didn't offer you an option of having an aide come with him? Because I had a similar experience. Oh with uh, a preschool when why we had already brought an aid 
Oh, you had. You know, when when he was diagnosed, uh, they were they were like, uh, "What what can we do to help?" And I brought an aide, and I and the aide trained their staff. Yeah, and after that is when all of a sudden he you know misbehaved because the I think that the director did not like the training from my aide, right? And so I think she decided to feed him pretzels to get him out. Mm. Um, but. What it did do was it showed me that if my child had gluten, we had almost an immediate reaction. Right. And I would never have tried that myself. But I interrupted you, Nancy. But yes, I did bring in a person who trained them. Right. Yeah. I had a, when Wyatt was in preschool, he started having massive tantrums and the preschool said, you're going to have to provide a shadow for him to continue to go here which I did. And the shadow was not very well trained, unfortunately. Um, but I did provide the shadow and it was not too long after that, that he was diagnosed and started going to a special needs preschool. But I want to, and I think, I don't know if Vince is here yet. I want us to talk a little bit about what it feels like. Cause for me, it's still psychic wound that the YMC, I like, I know people who have gone back to that YMCA and Vince is here. So let's bring him in. But I know people that have gone back to that YMCA that they're not, they are very inclusive now. They have programs for kids with autism, but I read this article last night and I, I said to my husband, I feel bad that we didn't pursue it um, 18 years ago, 16 years ago. And because this it's 16 years later and they had to involve the federal government to make a YMCA accessible for a kid with autism. It makes me want to spit nails. Anyway, let's bring Vince in. Vince Redmond is joining us. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist of the highest caliber. We just adore him. And um, Vince is amazing. He's worked in the field of autism for a really long time, more than two decades. Uh, Started out as a behavior technician. And as I said, is now a licensed marriage and family therapist. So there's no one who gets more what the challenges are for families going through interventions. Uh, so Vince, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Good morning, so Vince. You. I miss you so much, Vince. I know. We don't get to talk every day now. <laughs> we can, though. We can. We just don't. We're both busy. But uh, so, Vince, I don't know how much of this you heard. Uh, I heard, heard a lot. The this, right? Yeah, I heard a lot. And it's amazing to me that nowadays that is still going on. You know, back in the late 80s or early 90s when I started doing this, you know, you you, you kind of understand it there because it's a lack of understanding. Autism wasn't really well known. Um, you know, they, they weren't sure what was, you know, what was going on with the child. But now when there's so much research, so much media attention, so much understanding of autism, and even just like you were saying, the dietary responses um, to children with autism, it's just amazing that now the federal government has to get involved just to do something that, you know, every other child should be, you know, should be able to, to receive. Just astonishing. Yeah, I, it's so disheartening. And I don't know if you heard this story before that about the the woman who wrote in to the advice column in the Boston Globe because she they were invited to the holiday and um, and then she said, oh, and we're going to bring our my adult subson who's on the spectrum, and then they got disinvited. So I I really want to talk about what it feels like because I mean there's a, there's a whole legal side of that um, like with the YMCA, but what it feels like for the family and for the, the kiddo, if the kiddo is aware of the fact that they're being excluded in the one case, that's an adult. Um, but I, I think both Nancy and I can speak to the fact that, I mean, I'm so many years out of it. I should not still get upset, but you say YMCA to me and my blood pressure goes up As it uh, should. right back to that day. That was a traumatizing event. There's no reason why you shouldn't have that type of a response, right? Because uh, you know, you were treated. You were treated unfairly. Jen was treated unfairly. It was yeah, somebody's personal opinion, um, not anything that was based on evidence, fact, or or reason. This was someone who just wanted the easy way, wanted easy kids, wanted you know just to 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 keep everything easy, not understanding you know what what damage they were doing to Jen, either biologically and you know mentally. And what the damage was doing to the family, 
right? Not being in included, being excluded from things that are, you know, uh, uh, available to everybody else. Telling you that your child isn't welcome, that's, that's a horrible feeling for any parent. And I can understand why that would be traumatizing. It's hard enough anyway that we have to live with the behaviors that set our children apart generally right. we go in feeling as outsiders from the get-go um yeah. i don't know about you shannon but i always felt like an outsider in every situation because of why i had tantrums and acted out it set him apart and made it very difficult to feel like you belonged in certain situations if i'm honest i still feel that way uh -huh. and, and and here's the thing you know my kid is doing really well but all it takes is for one little thing to happen. And the feeling that comes up in me is that I want to say to somebody, do you have any idea what we've been through? Like, do you have any idea what this kid has done to get here and you want to make it harder for him? And I get very emotional. I'm still dealing with the, the anger and the loss and the grief. Um, and, and it's not always rational. I mean, I'm going to admit to that. It's not always rational. Um, but, but when something happens, a, a perfect example for, for me is when he was little, we took him to Disneyland and we didn't know anything. We'd not talked to an autism organization. We didn't talk to Disneyland. We just took him to Disneyland and it was horrible. We waited in line for one ride for over an hour and a half in the sun. And then, um, they announced that the ride was broken and that we were going to have to come back later on. And as we were trying to file back out and explain to a three and a half year old on the spectrum who was nonverbal, no, we're not getting on the ride. After we just waited for an hour and a half, he started kicking the other people in line. He started kicking the girl in front of him. And of course, everybody started to look up at us like we were pariahs. And it took two of us to pick him up. We had to go over the guardrail and we practically ran out of the park. And I remember feeling, well, this is one of these things we're never gonna be able to do. We're not welcome here. We're never going to be able to do this. Now, fortunately, an another mom said to me, oh, no, no, you got it all wrong, honey. You need to go and tell them and they give you this thing and then you get to get on the rides in a different way. They're very accommodating. But I remember feeling like they don't get it and how horrible that felt that we weren't welcome. And then the difference on the day and the next time we took him and we used the pass that was then now, it's different pass now, but it's still pretty good. Um, but, and we felt like, oh, they get it. They understand our, the challenges and we're welcome here. And we, and we would always say it truly is the happiest place on earth because they understand. And I, and it feel, I don't know, Nancy, jump in here, but sometimes it feels like when you go someplace, are, are we going to be welcome here? Or are we not going to be welcome? Here? Oh, I have so many similar stories of when Wyatt was a toddler, when he was having massive tantrums that we went to to events and places where he could not um, really function in those situations, had meltdowns, and I felt like I'll never belong anywhere. Yeah. You know, it was just a, a horrible feeling. Yeah. And I think that's part of it, right? People forget how this affects the family, how this affects the parents, the caregivers. It's not just about the child. Now, Let's be honest, waiting, waiting in a line for an hour and a half to have them tell you that the right is, you know, closed. We all want to start kicking someone, right? I mean, it's a very natural, upsetting, frustrating feeling. What, what he was feeling was actually very appropriate. It was the socially appropriate behaviors of how we deal with it and what do we do next. So I love the fact that you go back and you practice, and again, you've, you know, we we now know, you know, different ride passes and things like that. But it's that understanding from parents to parents that they don't understand how that's affecting us, right? They only worry about how it's affecting them. I have a, I have a similar story, but I was on the receiving end. I was at Universal. It was Universal, Match Mountain, Universal Studios, one of the two. I don't remember. Um, and there was a family in line and I, and you know, I usually aren't paying attention too much. And sure enough, there were some behaviors and the child started getting upset and he started, you know, uh, 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 screaming and yelling and everybody was staring at them. the mother was white and she had tears in her eyes and turned around because we were directly behind them. 
And she was like apologizing, apologizing, apologizing. And I just put my hand on her back and said, don't worry, it's okay. And then I explained what I do. And I said, this is, this is okay. Let's, let's, let's see how he does. And, you know, I went down on my knee and we talked to him and we all started goofing around. And long story short, that line kept progressing. But that empathy, that, that caring, that understanding of putting yourself in the other person's shoes is so important when we're out in public. We don't know their journey. We don't know where they've gone to, right? And all of us who have been through that journey or going through that journey hand in hand with someone else, right? It's, it's, it's something that I wish more people would see. Now, we see the negatives, but I've also seen, you know, positives as well, where I've been out at work and in the community with our kids, right? And we're working. And I've seen a lot of compassion. I've seen people and cashiers and boxed, you know, uh, clerks at stores and stuff, just being very patient and understanding, kind of give you that wink, like, okay, we got this. So I hope that continues to build. I know we, you know, we spotlight those who, who don't, but I also want to spotlight those who do. I love that, Vince, because I think that's important. Right. I think there's been, I think there's been so much awareness and there's been a sea change in how a lot of places deal and are aware of some of the things that can occur when kids have meltdowns and can't regulate, um, you know, that, that fortunately there's been a lot of change for the better. Vince, did you hear the story about the family whose son was disinvited from the family gathering? And um, what is your take on that? I did not. I only got the, the tail end of it. But I, I mean, just just that sentence alone to me is atrocious, you know, to disinvite a family member and their families because um, why, why are they being punished? Why are they being, you know, well, the rationale to, to let you know the rationale. So this is this is a mom and her daughter. The daughter is married and has some little kids and she's invited her in-laws to come for the holiday dinner. She also invited her mom and her mom's new husband to come. Everybody agreed to come. And then mom said, we also want to bring my new husband's adult son on the spectrum. And that is when the daughter called and said, yeah, I'm disinviting you all because I didn't invite him. I don't have room for him. My in-laws are coming and my kids are little and I can't take control of them making loud noises and I know he's bothered, he's sound sensitive. So no, we're not equipped to handle him for this dinner. Yeah, and it's important to note, Vince, that they, the, the mom said that they had headphones for him to help him tolerate the noise. So they had made accommodations for him to be able to go and not be bothered by the noise. And, the and it's not her responsibility. For whatever reason, she's taking responsibility for for this, this would be the parents' responsibility, right? Bringing headphones, bringing other games for them to, or, or you know, things to keep him interested. You know, working on his social skills. You know, making sure that if he's in an environment that's making him uncomfortable, to re remove him to a different room, or maybe go take a walk, right? And, and doing some, you know, desensitizing. But, but again, it doesn't, doesn't change the the fact that this was something personal this was something that was all about her it wasn't about the family she should try to guise it that this is for the family and i have people here no, no 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 this has nothing to do with anyone else this clearly has to do with her level of anxiety her level of posturing trying to you know uh put on the 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 uh you know the perfect hallmark christmas you know blending families and you know we want <clears throat> we want that happy ending type of thing, which is, again, devastating to the families who is now being excluded. They're being yeah. punished because they have a child on the spectrum. They're being excluded from family events because they have a child on the spectrum. They well, thank you for saying that because that's how Nancy and I felt, but that's not how the columnists felt. The answer was to feel your feelings, feel bad about it, but have your holiday on your own and allow your daughter to have her boundaries. Well, I mean, but that's the end. I mean, I would agree with that in the end. Doesn't doesn't invalidate the feelings that the family has, and it doesn't invalidate the the you know the the situation and the inappropriateness of it. However, in the end, 
do we want the family to crumble? Do we want that the family that has been included to just not celebrate? Of course not. We want them, you know what? You know, respect her boundaries, but exclude her from your family moving forward when it comes to celebrations and events and you know uh, you know invite family members who are more patient more tolerant so you host events instead of going to other hosted events you know create your own you know your own uh, holiday network with people that you feel comfortable and safe with so i would agree you know respect that that uh, uh, family's boundaries and don't you know it, it, don't try to shame her or try to make a big deal about it, but that doesn't it doesn't change the fact that that was a very selfish act. Yeah, yeah, and as I said, it's hard enough for us because we are aware. If anybody is aware, it's it's us moms right. about the differences between our kids and other neurotypical people, and so we go in feeling defensive. You know, we're we've already got like that armor up. Of and you would also we're walking on eggshells. Yeah, we're trying everything we can. I mean, I don't know about you, Shannon, but the hoops I went through bringing the special dietary food, bringing the activities for Wyatt to do to keep him occupied, um, the the special, the great links I went to to allow him to fit in, um, that sets you apart to begin with. It's hard right. enough to begin with, but then to be ostracized is doubly painful. We have something that we say in our family because we run into this all the time in small ways and in big ways that um, there was one time that I was in a, a Subway restaurant and we were ordering food and we were asking them to prepare it in a specific way so that it didn't get gluten and dairy all in it. And the girl who was making our food, man, she rolled her eyes and she was like, this is really inconvenient. Can you not see that we have a long line of people here and it's super inconvenient and very loud? I said, oh my gosh, you poor thing. We are horribly inconveniencing you. And for the next 10 minutes, it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to be inconvenienced. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. This is our whole life. Right. <laughs> you, poor thing. you poor thing that you've got 15 right. minutes. This is our whole life. I know I had a, I actually had a meltdown with a mom one day at the carpool lane. Uh, at school, I had to go in front around to get into the carpool lane. And this mother turns to me and wags her finger at me as I'm trying to go into the special needs lane. I got so triggered, Shannon, I jumped out of the car and I went over and I'm like, you want to trade places with me? Do you want to be in the carpool lane? You want to be in the in the special needs lane? Try my, you know, try wearing walking in my shoes for a day. I was furious. It just it triggered me. And what did she do? What, did she respond she well? She just kind of cowered yeah. at that point. Well, good. I mean, but that's the thing. You're not trying to create violence, but what you're doing is you're shocking people into realizing their own biases, their own, you know, uh, uh, negative opinions of people, right? It puts people in check to what, like, check yourself. Are Is this who you really want to be? Right. I have a story of being in the store very early in my career in the store with a mom. And I think I might have shared this before. And the little girl wanted to get some candy or toy. I forget what it was. And the mom was saying no. And she just hit the floor totally through a huge meltdown tantrum. Right. Older lady walks by and whispers under her breath, control your kid. Uh, uh. And that mom, just like you two, just let her have it and say, you have no bleeping, bleeping, bleeping idea of what we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And that lady just stopped in her tracks and was just kind of like stared there and at first kind of gave some glares. But then when the mom explained special needs, she has autism, she's in treatment, this is part of the treatment. Because mom was handling it beautifully. We were letting her just tantrum, right? She had to tantrum through it. We had to use extinction, which was working well, but it was making somebody else uncomfortable. Mom was fine. And that lady left and actually came back later, you know, five minutes or so later and apologized and said, I had no idea. I'm ashamed of myself. And I would, wow. and, and I thought that was very, she didn't have to come back. 
And I yeah. thought that was very humbling. And I hope more people feel that way, right? Yeah. More people see the 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 energy and the the time and in, in investment that you know parents are putting into their children, even if it yeah. inconveniences them for five minutes. You know, like I gotta say, I, I believe in the law of karma too. And for this this daughter who has decided that this young man can't come to her house for the holidays, uh, you know. I, I, I know everybody in the world, whether you have neurotypical children or, or not, at some point, your child is going to be excluded. Excluded, from something. Yes. At some point. Everyone is, and for myriads of different reasons, it isn't just because of autism. At some point, one of her kids that's, that doesn't, can't control their screaming, which, you know, there's a little, like, uh, light bulb moment for you, that she can't control her kids uh, and get them to stop screaming, right? At some point, one or both of those kids is going to be excluded and she's going to remember that this is what she did and, and the pain that she caused. And that's going to hurt. Yeah. Um, Christina says, we get that when we use disability parking. People look at us and are very angry with, oh, the thing about the disability parking, people get nuts, right? I just ignore them. But one time I went off, they have no idea what we need, that we need it for safety. Yes. Just because you can't see the disability, obviously, doesn't mean there is not one. Uh, Even even when you can, people are so funny about those placards. My mother was, was handicapped had uh, both feet, club feet, had one of those, and she would hang it up. And I would be amazed at the people who would, would come up and knock on her window and go, this is handicap parking. You can't. And my mother would go, yes, I, I'm. here's my handicap sticker. And even then, they would be like, this is supposed to be for people who, and my mother would get out and start walking, and then they would shut up. And I would think, who walks around thinking that they can police other people like that? Like what, what is the need in you that you, that you feel the need? Anyway. Um, that's a whole, that's a rabbit hole to, to not go down. <laughs> that's, you know what they say they about have some people have issues. issues. That's a whole Oprah. Um, <laughs> you know, people are very judgmental, unfortunately, in our world. And remember that that's what Taka used to have a card that you could give to people. That's like my child is not deliberately misbehaving. My child has autism. And but you know what happened with those, Nancy? Is that a lot, of, a lot of the self-advocates um, naysayed that and said you're disclosing your child's diagnosis to people you don't know and that you don't necessarily trust, and then you're making your child an easy mark, um, which I hadn't thought of. That bummed me out. So that's an individual decision though, right? I mean, yeah. just like any, you know, you know, especially right nowadays, you know, any HIPAA, you know, information is up to the family if they want to release it or not. Cause we all know many, many families that keep their child's diagnosis under, you know, lock and key. They don't want people knowing they have very minimal people. Knowing, and that's okay. I have no problem with that. That is their decision. That is their family. And that's their, you know, what they would like to do. I respect that. And I will honor that. But I think those cards are very helpful for those families who are okay about, you know, letting other people know that their child has autism with, instead of having to explain it. And, you know, when your emotions are already up, you know, explanations probably aren't going to come out as articulate and eloquent as we would like them to, to hand them a card and just say, please read this. You'll understand and move on. Right. And they'll be able to do that. So I think, you know, really it's in the, you know, the hands of the families of what makes them feel more comfortable, not a one size fit all. But we got about four minutes left, Vince. What can you tell us? Because I think, and, and I'm only going to speak for myself, but Nancy chime in if you agree that I, I, I know that I hang on to some of the trauma and the anger uh, and the grief and way past when it is suitable for me to hang on to it. Like I would love to let go of my grief over the YMCA and let it go. Um, what do you recommend for people who are like, okay, I've got, it's not happening right now. It's a past thing. How do we let it go? Well, it's not necessarily, I mean, cause remember this isn't, these aren't conscious decisions, right? These are, these are conditioned responses that you have to a traumatizing or, you know, an extreme event that you experienced when you know, the boys were younger. So what we need to do is understand that reaction that helps you um, be able to calm quicker. We're not, you're not going to get ever 
not have that response. That response is, is conditioned in you, and I think rightfully so, because it helps you defend, helps you protect, helps you take care of family, and that's never going to go away. But understanding it and understanding where it comes from helps you be able to say, okay, this does not apply here. This does not apply now. This does not apply to my child, right? Especially if you're reading the article, it applies to someone else. So I think that gives us acceptance of the response. And when we have acceptance of the response, we then know where to shelf it and, and how to deal with it a lot better. All right. So no, I'm with so you then, Shannon. I have a lot of deep wounding from those early, early days that I still have had a tendency to hold on to. So that's good. And advice. don't feel guilty for having them. I think a lot of time we put guilt on ourselves that we shouldn't be having these feelings anymore. And, and I would say that's untrue. Again, those are those are real responses that you had to protect your child, to you know, to to promote your family, to promote um, your family's growth, and those are very real, very important, and very seated in you. And so, having those are okay. It's 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 very natural, and I think very appropriate. It's just what do we do with them now? Now, if we were still lashing out and we were still angry and we were still yelling at people for things that that aren't necessarily affecting us right now, well, that might be different. But I think having those feelings are okay. But again, understanding them, where they come from, and what we do with them now is most important. I think that's an important point. I think we, I, again, I'm going to speak for myself. My back gets up really fast. And I, and I know myself and I know some other parents that, you know, you change. You change when your child gets a diagnosis. And then at some point, a friend or a relative says, you're different than, you know, you're very combative. You're very angry. You, you see everything as, as being somebody, you know, who's not, uh, you, know, you know what I mean, Nancy? Does yeah. that make sense? I, um, I do. And, and, and I know to one person, I had somebody said to me, I don't know who you are anymore. And I, because I was saying something wasn't okay that my child wasn't being dealt with okay. And they said, this doesn't seem like you at all. I don't even recognize you right now. And I was like, really? Let me introduce myself. I'm my kid's mother and my kid has rights and I'm going to stand up for him whenever he needs to. And if that doesn't seem familiar to you, um, perhaps you should re-meet me. (laughs) Right. If that doesn't feel appropriate for you, then, you know, maybe you don't understand what I'm going through. Yeah. Perhaps you should go be in the parking lot. Of my life. <laughs> right. In the other lane. <laughs> In the other lane. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes it's well meaning people, but you do change when you have a child, period. Sometimes. You change. And when your child has unique needs, it changes you. Absolutely. And when you have to fight for them to get what they need, it changes how you look at the world. Well, hopefully that world is changing to be a more compassionate, accepting world now. That's um, and our hearts go out to this mom who is the, you know, the recipient of this. And we only hope that they can have a wonderful holiday despite right. the fact that this occurred. Absolutely. Well, and it goes back to what we were saying is, you know, create, I hope they create their, their, their new holiday network, right? This doesn't mean they're excluded from everybody, right? Yeah. It's, it's I think- respect those boundaries for sure, but create new boundaries, create new boundaries for your family and, you know, enjoy those around you who enjoy you. I suspect there's a lot more going on in that family, especially since it is a step brother and mom is remarried. I suspect that there's a lot going on that doesn't even have to do with this young man or his diagnosis, but we can't know that. Uh, In any case, thank you guys for this scintillating conversation where my blood pressure is high now. Uh, I'm going to go try to dissipate that somehow. Go for a walk. Um, But uh, love both of you. Breathe. Breathe. It's hot out. Breathe. 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 Uh, Love you both. We're going to be back next week with Nancy and next month with Vince. Vince, we miss you. Um, And so glad that you're still able to give us some time to be with us on the Autism Network. Uh, But thank you for being here today. And thank you, Nancy. We're back on Monday. On Monday, our guest is Kamina Ballard-Dawkins, and she is a mom with a capital M-O-M, Mom on a Mission, and has a lot to say on her new show that she's got out about self-care. 
how much do we all need this, right? So uh, tune in on Monday for that and a great lineup of shows next week. We are going to be back then. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And yourselves a hug from me. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.